Any views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredell County. Hope everybody's doing well out there this morning. It's not a bad day. It's a little, little windy, but other than that, get out and get some stuff done. It's a little muddy from the rain we got, but we needed the rain, so it's cool. It's cool. All right, got a lot going on today. Uh, got uh, District Attorney Sarah Kirkman going to join me here in the middle of the show for the last part of it. Uh, going to talk about a lot of different things going on, especially the public defender's office that we were able to create in the last budget and how critical that was uh, for our court system going forward. So uh, look, can't wait to hear from her. She may try to get on in here in the studio just in a little bit. So if she does, we'll bring her in a little early and then chat with her at the, the halfway mark. Uh Pardon me if you if I sound a little little nasally or whatever. Got a little bit of a head cold, something going on, but uh, it is what it is. It's that time of the year, and it seems like always around Christmas. I mean, like everybody always wants to get sick. I don't know why, but it does. So anyway, Joe, I think she's here now. I don't know if somebody can get her in or not, but anyway, had a lot going on. The filings are finally over with. Uh, they ended lunchtime Friday. And uh, so it's kind of getting a little bit clear, uh, as the old saying goes, maybe clear as mud with all the different races going on. Uh, school board, make sure I got my numbers right here. Looks like District 2. Uh, we got Natalie Ramos, uh, Kevin Angel, and Lakeitha Bobish uh, in District 4. Uh, Robert Thompson, Rhonda Hoke, District 6, Doug Knight, Alex Hobson, and... Mm, Jenka Peel, I'm probably misspelled that or mispronounced that for sure, but it's J-I-N-A-K-I. That should probably be Jenka Peel. I'm working on that, so I'll get better with my pronunciation. Also, you got the county commissioners. Uh, looks like you got Beverly Morris, uh, Brian Adams, which I think is no relationship to the one that was a rock star. Uh, Melissa Nieder, come back down a little bit. Uh, Richard Coleman, Angela Matthews, Gene Howe. Uh, William Compton Jr. from out of Mooresville, Scotty Brown, and Brad Howard. So we got quite a field there uh, for three seats. Uh, Then we'll go back, get all that here. Uh, Looks like uh, Sarah, who's coming in a little bit, is actually going to have a primary this time. So Sarah Kirkman, there's a David Addison running against her. We got all of our judges out there. Looks like the only one that's maybe in in check uh, is seat 32. Our District 32, seat 3, Courtney Marlowe and Melissa Stewart. Hey, anybody wants to call in and talk about any of this, 704-873-1400. Give me a shout. Uh, getting over to the U.S. House of Representatives, District 10. This is where Patrick McHenry, who's been our longtime representative, has <clears> – <throat> let me take a sip of water, folks. I'm losing my voice. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, uh, District 10, Patrick Henry, longtime representative force, is uh, going to step down. He's retiring. And so there is quite a field looking to take his place. Uh, looks like uh, Ralph Scott Jr. I think that's the name that I'm not familiar with, but if it's who I think it is, uh, he's here from Statesville. He's a Democrat. Uh, Steve Feldman, a libertarian from over in Winston. 
Diane Jemison from Hickory's Republican, Pat Harrigan, Republican, Gray Mills from Mooresville, uh, Republican, uh, Charles Eller, a Republican from Davison, and Brooke McGowan come in at the last minute, Republican from down in Troutman. So we'll see how that plays out. And it looks like uh, in our North Carolina Senate race, uh, our <coughs> Senator Vicki Sawyer's running again, and she's running against, uh, looks like a Democrat, uh, Kate Compton Barr, do not know her from Davison. And in beloved District House uh, 84, that's mine, it's me, Jeff McNeely, running for re-election against uh, Chris Gilbert, Democrat from Troutman, and uh, John Galena, Republican here from Statesville. So things are a little bit clearer than they were, but not exactly. So uh, we're going to find out how this all goes, but it is that time of the year for the election season. So we will see how we move along in this. Could be interesting. Should be interesting. I hope everybody runs a good, clean race. Talks about yourself, not about the other candidate as far as running them down, because I think we got enough of that going on on the federal side. Uh, we need to be able to be respectful and do what we need to do here in Iowa County uh, to make sure we get the best qualified, most experienced people in the office so that we can do the best job we can for our constituents. <clears throat> One thing I did want to talk about is uh, a bill that uh, Senator Vicki Sawyer kind of started over in the Senate, and, and, and I would picked it up on our side. It's Senate Bill 154, uh, and Senate Bill 154 basically uh, involves tourism here in Iredell County. Now, it actually involved tourism in multiple counties and municipalities throughout the state. It was kind of an omnibus bill, and that means we threw everybody's tourism request for <clears throat> taxing people or, or whatever they wanted or setting up tourism boards or setting up tourism districts. And, and there's been a lot of misinformation put out about this here in the county. And, and I think I need to set the record straight on Senate Bill 154. Back in 1985, uh, a general statute was run by our legislators to help out with the building of the Statesville Civic Center. And not too long after that, the, uh, the, the Mac Center was built in Mooresville. And it had been going on for years that the county, who was able to collect up to 3% of a 6% tax, 6% is the most we'll charge, on uh, hotel stays and, air, and well, we don't even really do the Airbnbs, but if we did hotel, motel stays, all those things where there's an occupancy tax. And so we had allowed the municipalities to collect the 6% and to keep it, and it helps them run and fund their civic center here in Statesville and the one down in Mooresville, they are not necessarily profit money generators, but they are a benefit to the community. And once in place, we had to figure out a funding mechanism to keep them going without necessarily having it be the local taxpayers do it through raising your property tax. So that's where the occupancy tax comes from. And we allowed them, <coughs> we allowed the cities to keep the 6% whole to do it. And it works out that they use that to set up their tourism boards that they have. We actually have one here in states where we have a tourism board in Mooresville. We need to this this bill will help us combine to have one main tourism board that is fed by the local municipality tourism boards. Now I know this sounds a little complicated, but it's basically representatives from the states from Mooresville, Troutman, any place that wants to have a tourism board that has hotels will be able to set up 
My voice sounds horrible today. Sorry, folks. But we'll set up their ability to um, feed to the main board for it to kind of be the umbrella over the smaller boards and function as a one board moving in the right direction so we don't work against each other and we don't have so much duplicity. And, and this was really important, we felt like, uh, because we did have a lot of duplicity going on in the county, and that just means we're, we've got twice as many directors, twice as much staff. This will help calm that down a little bit, weed that down a little bit, and get it where we're more streamlined and we can use this. So this was an important bill, we felt like, because our tourism is actually starting to step up. It's starting to become something. And so we thought we need to get this in place. And I'll tell you where the misinformation is coming from when we get back here. We're going to take a commercial break here at the 11.15 mark. We'll be back in about two minutes. And I'll tell you where the misinformation is coming from and why. Stay tuned. All right. Back here for the middle of the show, getting ready to head towards the 11.30 mark. We'll take a little break then, but I do have District Attorney Sarah Kirkman in the studio with me. She's gotten here a little early, and we're glad to have her. How are Thank you, Sarah? You. I'm good. Doing well. Thank you. You sound better than me, so I'm, I'm assuming you are doing good. I, I have a voice right now. But, well, you know. All right. Good deal. Good deal. <laughs> You've been DA now for a while. How long? 12 years? 14 years? 16. 16. Been, I've been the DA since 2009. All right, folks. DA stands for district attorney. Yes. Okay. Just make and sure. Before that, I was an assistant district attorney from 1997. Until See, then. now you're starting to tell how old you are. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know if I'd say all that. <laughs> anyway. All right, we'll get back to more on, on Miss Sarah here and, and talk a little bit. Like I said, we're going to talk about the our public defender's office, which I think okay. was a huge thing that we did this past time in the budget. It was, it was probably the hardest thing we did because it was reoccurring. And they do not like reoccurring money in right. the budget. They do not. But anyway, back to Senate Bill 154 that I was talking about. And I asked Sarah, and she's not familiar with it, but I don't expect her to be. Tourism is not her goal. Putting people in jail, that is her goal. That is what she does, people that are guilty. So anyway, but the, the tourism boards were formed through this. And so what this is allowed now, it allows the county to go out and be able to tax in the unincorporated areas, which they weren't before. And where unincorporated areas are, basically, think of Lake Norman uh, or Lake Lookout even. Part of that's still in Ireland. So anywhere that's not inside a municipality city limits is unincorporated. And before we ran this bill, they could not do a 6% occupancy tax on it. Now the county has the ability to do it. And looking at the numbers from this last year, and we don't know if we've got all the players, but what players we do know that are doing these Airbnbs and VRBOs and all these different things, uh, it would have been somewhere between 3 and $4 million worth of taxable income to the county would come in now that they're able to do this. Now, the funny thing is, <clears throat> the county uh, commissioners basically told us that, uh, well, they want that, but they want their 3% from the municipalities too. And understand this, it got to a point where we played referee here, and the only way that everybody wins in the outcome is the bill we ran, Senate Bill 154, which allows the cities to still collect their six but it creates the ability for the county to collect in the unincorporated areas. So they get 6% there, which is actually a larger number than the numbers that are in the municipalities. So if the county would have gotten their 6% in the unincorporated, 
plus the 3% from each of the municipalities, the municipalities would have had to backfill somewhere between $750,000 to $1 million into their budgets, respectively, Statesville and Mooresville, to keep funding their tourism board the way they've done it. So understand, it was going to end up being that they were either going to have to raise property tax to backfill to help uh, with the maintenance and, and the upkeep and, and running of their independent civic centers, or we keep it like it is, and the county gets 3 to $4 million. The city municipality still collect their money, and everything goes on as planned. So what the misinformation is being thrown out there is, is, is that we didn't listen to the county. We didn't do what they wanted. But what we did do was what was right and what was fair to all concerns. And we feel like this was the best outcome or of this law that we could have come up with. Uh, and, and now that the campaign season is starting, uh, I'm hearing a lot of dis, disinformation being put out about this, that we didn't pay attention, we didn't listen. No. My, my question is, you know, and I guess it's going to be directed to the person that's putting out the majority of the disinformation, which is Commissioner Brad Stroud. Brad, just how much do you want to tax the citizens of Arlington County? Uh, I think they're taxed enough as it is, so I think we ought to be happy with the outcome we got, not be greedy and want everything we can and cause people's property tax to go up in the municipalities. That's what would have happened. So it looks like we have a caller. We'll take it and see what we got. Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, Jeff. This is William here. Get you some Ricola uh, cough drops. That'll help you with your your uh, voice and a head cold. When I get them head colds, I suck on those Ricolas, and they help my throat. Well, I, gotta, I, I wasn't uh, doing too bad till I got here, it seemed like. The more I talked, the worse it's got. I guess I ain't been talking much. So. It gets you some lemon lemon juice. But, yeah, real quick, I just wanted to – I know it's probably not priority, but with everything that's going on in Iredale County with the construction road projects and different businesses and whatnot going up, is there anything in the plans in the budget for putting new traffic lights up, particularly on Highway 70 headed east in the mornings when the sun's coming up? It's brutal, and you cannot see traffic lights, whether they're green or stale red or, or what have you. Um, is there a possibility that they could put up some ones like you see in Charlotte and some of the bigger cities that are real bright? I don't know if they're LEDs or or what they are, but some of the lights that we have around here in town are like, um, if you will, what you would call it, plexating or whatever. They go in and out, you know. And so I was just curious as to wondering if then maybe they could put some up like that where people could see them. I haven't really heard that request much, so I don't know, but I can look into it. I will tell you something that we have done at a couple of our more, we'll call dangerous intersections. We we put up signs before it with two yellow flashing lights, and as it's, the clock's ticking, uh, that the, the light's getting ready to change from green to gala to red, uh, those lights will, they're back probably um, 150, 200 feet from the light, they will start to signal yellow to let you know the light's getting ready to change to red. And I think that's been a really good thing because, of course, some people still step on the gas. And that's where Sarah comes in. She <laughs> she works with them on traffic tickets after that. But still, um, I think that's yeah. a good thing because that, that way people aren't just slamming up to uh, an intersection. They do know that the light's getting ready to change. Something's getting yeah, ready to that, happen. That's a good thing. They got one over there, particularly at Old Hickory Highway and G. Bannable Boulevard. Yep. It, it really helped out in that area. <clears throat> there's been a lot of wrecks through the years at that particular intersection, but there's been also a lot of wrecks 
out there on J.C. Penney's side on the east side of 70. And I was just curious if maybe they could put something like that. You got a lot of traffic lights right there in that one area within a 500-foot range of each other, but it'd be kind of hard to put a warning light there. But just put some brighter lights to where people can see them. Okay. All right. I'll I'll talk to my local DOT, see what we can get worked out. And maybe there's a place right there. I do know kind of as you come down the hill there, uh, I guess the new ABC store is the only thing left. The car dealership's gone. But as you come down, a lot of people want to pick up speed right there. And that might be a good intersection yep. to have one of those flashing yellow because there's a yep. lot going on there. There's a couple of yield lanes and some turns and you got Gordon Metal yep. has a lot of people, truck traffic coming in and out. So make him look at the flashing lights there, see if that would be a thing. They'll, they'll do their little study and determine it, but might be something to talk about. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Jeff. Appreciate everything you do and hope you get well soon and, and hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, okay? William, I hope the same to your family, too. Y'all take care. Merry Christmas. Bye. All right. So anyway... Uh, getting back a little bit on that Senate Bill 154, uh, make sure you know the facts, folks. Make sure everybody knows the facts, because I'm afraid even some of the people that think they know the facts don't really understand and know the facts of how this bill works. But it was a win-win. The county's going to be able to collect money. They're also going to be able, and they could have done this before, zone some of these. Well, they need to zone them all. All these houses down on the lake that are being rented out they need to go ahead and, and get them zoned so they can regulate them. Now, Sarah, you've ran into some of this probably here. In the, I don't know if they've ever been able to get anybody charged, but the constantly neighbors are calling the sheriff's department and complaining and saying, you know, they've got loud parties and this, that, and the other. Has any of that ever made it up to the court system yet? I mean, we get some of those um, charges, you know, if they're especially if there's underage drinking or if there's, you know, noise ordinance violations. I mean, we get some of those in our our court system. Well, I, I you know, I, I have people call me all the time wanting us to do something. So we did something. We did something. So now they can be regulated. And I think that was a really important part, uh, trying to make sure we got them regulated. Uh, one of the one things I did want to bring up, too, real quick, uh, we do now have a new uh, uh, state auditor, uh, Roy Cooper. The governor has appointed Jessica Holmes as auditor to replace Beth Woods. Um, she's a Wake County attorney with no accounting or uh, auditing expertise at all. She was the past attorney, general counsel, for the North Carolina uh, Teachers Association, the NCAE Association of Educators. So I, I don't know how that qualifies you to be a auditor, but that's who he wanted. I think they just were looking for somebody to fit the mold they were looking for for a candidate, and she did file to run for auditor again. So this will be interesting to see. One other thing I want to bring up, we got about two minutes till we get there. Uh, guess what, folks? Uh, the, after the federal government sent California hundreds of billions of dollars over the last couple of years for COVID, uh, they actually got enough money at one time when Governor Gavin Newsom thought he was going to get recalled that he sent out money to everybody. They had ran deficit, deficit, deficit. All of a sudden, they had a surplus. Instead of looking at how to calm and trim their debt, he decided he'd give people money to buy their votes, which he did, and he's still in there. Now, they are back to a $68 billion deficit after getting all this money from the federal government. Um, and basically, what that tells me is it, it, it's funny. 
you always hear the the Democrat side, the liberal side say we're gonna we're gonna tax the rich, the ultra rich. We're gonna go after them. Well, now they're saying one of the reasons they have this big deficit is that a lot of the ultra rich, the people they were gonna tax and get all this money from, have left California. Hmm. Go figure. You know, somebody that's got a lot of money, they don't have to live in California. They don't have to live in the United States. So always remember when we talk about how we're going to go after the wealthy, the ultra-rich, and tax them 50 75%, all these crazy numbers, and it sounds great on the campaign trail, they'll leave. They'll go. So it's not going to work. And then they come back to the people that can't leave, who are us, middle class, and they're going to tax us. And that's where the money really comes from. So stay tuned. Got Sarah Kirkman, our district attorney, coming up. Till then, take care. See you at the second part. All right. Back here for the second part of the show. Got District Attorney Sarah Kirkman here with me. And I'm going to take the headphones off, Sarah. If you want to, we can. Oh, we can, can just I? talk. Yeah, we don't have to listen to all that. Because so, I mess up my hair. I know it does get tough on the hair. It does. <laughs> uh, anyway, we were sitting here together, folks. You actually get some playback through the headphones, and it kind of messes with you a little bit. So it's just easier just to sit here and just talk. Um, Sarah, you like I said, been district attorney now sixteen years. Well, it'll uh, be sixteen at the end of this term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, long time serving, assistant DA before that. Mm-hmm. Know how it works. Know how everything goes on. Tell us a little bit of something about us we don't know about you, maybe. That you don't know about me. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Family, I'm, life, whatever. I'm from Iredell County. I'm a Greyhound. I went to Statesville right. High School. Um, I went to Carolina to journalism school. I don't know if you knew that. But <laughs> I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I um, graduated from journalism school, and I actually worked at two newspapers when I graduated. I worked at the Shelby Star as the weekend editor, and then I worked at the Winston-Salem Journal as oh, a copy that's editor. That's a big one. And then I guess I got tired of working every night, weekend, holiday, and I went back to school. I went to law school, and I went to Campbell. And then when I graduated from Campbell, um, I came back to Statesville, and I worked for Burt Walser. Um, You remember Burt Walser? Um, And I didn't—that wasn't a permanent job. That was kind of just a, hey, I'll give you something to do till you get a real gig. And then I got on with the DA's office, and I started in— 97, January 2nd, and I've been there ever since. Well, and and you've tried a lot of high-profile cases, murder cases. We've had crazy different cases. Through the years, I remember there's been everything from huge drug bust to the whole nine yards. So you've seen it all, done it all, and you've got the experience, and you're there. you are having a primary. This is one of the first times anybody's primaried you in a long, long time. I yes. mean, you've been doing a good job. I think you're still doing a good job. Thank you. The question always is, and I, I asked Sarah this the other day, I said, you know, what's the deal here? You've done a good job. Why does anybody want a primary? Same thing I ask of myself, but there you go. People want to do what people want to do. That's right. Uh, I do know this, and I'll tell y'all folks a little story. Uh, went to the city council and had a select few of them. Uh, meet with me and Senator Sawyer and Gray Mills, representing from the south end of the county, and and we were trying to help things in South Statesville. They wanted to meet and talk about South Statesville, and we show up, and we never really talked much about what we could do for South Statesville. They mainly talked about the district attorney and how people weren't getting tried. Well, this was all during COVID, and things weren't easy during COVID. It became impossible. Amen. 
because of the attorney general and the governor's orders. And the court system basically shut down. Now, we were still arresting people. We just didn't know what the heck to do with them and where to put them. So, uh, and I want, can I say something yeah, to that? Yeah. So, what I want to say about that is I'm very proud of my office because during COVID, the Chief Justice said you can't have jury trials. So, 14 months we were without jury trials. 14 months. Mm. So, but what we did do was we continued to have district court, we continued to have traffic court. We went to Superior Court for all the things that we could do, any of the pleas that we could do, any of the bond hearings we had to have. We continued to do all of that all the way through COVID. And I I mean, that's my staff. They were in there doing that the whole time. And you may hear about some other districts. I mean, they didn't, they shut court down altogether. Mecklenburg. I wasn't going to call names, well, but I'll, they, <laughs> I, I, I'll, call, I'll call whatever. Um, they shut court down altogether, and we didn't do it. They we, were shut we, down for almost 18 months, I think it was. We, it was um, outrageous. We, we stayed the course, and um, we came out of it, I think, with even some better systems than we had before because we had to do things a little bit differently, and mm-hmm. I think we came out, came out really on top after that. Um, and it was a good experience with my staff, and everybody just, you know, Stuck together, and I, I think we did a great job administering justice. Well, you know, Ireland is is a big county, and, and, and not only in land mass, but in people mass, too. A lot of people, and, and, and we have two courts. You know, we have the one in Mooresville, the old hospital. I'm not sure if that was ever a good idea or not, but that's what we got. <laughs> right. And then we have the one here, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird to a point, because I know a lot of people get a traffic ticket in states, will have to go to Mooresville. To, to get it worked out and back back and forth and whatnot, but that's what we're doing. Uh, but that stretches your office pretty thin, having two different court systems to work in in one county to a point, or two different courthouses, let's put it that way. Um, do you have the people you need to get the job done? Well, also, you know, I have another county. Oh, I'm, not, Alexander. I'm not just Iredale County, yeah. I'm Alexander County, too. Um, we have, <clears throat> so I have... Um, 15 positions for assistant DAs, and I never thought I would say this, but I'm, I'm having trouble filling them, I guess, like everybody is mm. with, with finding qualified candidates these days. Um, so I have 14 right now, so I still have one opening. If there's anybody out there listening, uh, <laughs> attorney, and licensed to practice in North Carolina, uh, it's a great job. Um, so, you know, is it ever enough? It's never enough. I mean, we, we could have court all day, every day, and I could have three times the staff I have um, because, I mean, I we're out there keeping the community safe. I mean, yeah. And we need all the resources we can get. We have a little bit of trouble at times. Um, you said we have two courthouses, but the one we have here, um, we have a little bit of trouble at times having enough sessions, having enough places to have sessions of court um, because it's not just criminal court that happens in our courthouse. We have civil court, too. And they have terms of uh, superior court and civil court, and we have to share our courtroom with them. Um, so we do have a little bit of an issue um, just getting our cases into court to be heard. But I guess in answer to your question, I like my staff that I have now, and I think we do a great job. Is it ever enough? Probably not. Well, and that's probably the answer for every district. Yeah, and, and sadly, uh, uh, you know, uh, business business cycles come and go, but crime seems to keep growing. That's right. And Darren. <laughs> Hey, Darren Campbell and doing a great job as our sheriff trying to keep the crime down. That just means he's arresting more people. People, people are still thieving, and they're still doing it. He's just arresting more. 
so, I mean, the court says, and, and, and we had a meeting with every shareholder, stakeholder in the county after the 22 election. It was a couple weeks after November. Me, Senator Sawyer, uh, Senator Gray, I mean, Representative Gray Mills, we all met down in Troutman uh, and, and had everybody come in, gave 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what they all had, come in. And, and you came before us. And one of the things that we saw we needed, and one of the problems is, especially coming out of COVID, the backlog is the public defender's office. We, we do not have one. We're getting one, but we do not have one as of yet. It's in the infancy stages of it. Uh, but that's going to allow you to make sure that the courtrooms that we do have, we're utilizing them because it just got to the point, and I'm not saying anything bad about a lot of the lawyers out there, People weren't doing the public defender service. They weren't willing to take what the state was offering and pay. They could make more doing the right. regular caseloads. And uh, and so you come to us and said, this is something we need. And maybe just elaborate on, on what you're seeing. And, folks, before we got in the budget for public defender, uh, there were only three other counties in North Carolina that had a public defender. In this budget, there ended up being three more now, so there's a total of six, which is going to make Iredell and Alexander pretty unique out of 100 that we'll have a public defender's office. So just tell us, what's well, this going to do for you? Well, first of all, I think that the reason it got to this point, I, I couldn't really say except that, you know, I know the rate that lawyers were being paid to do the court-appointed work has not changed in a number of years, so mm. it hasn't kept up with the times. And like you said, I mean, lawyers, they have other obligations and other things they could be doing. Um, so our court-appointed list got to the point where we had so few lawyers on it that what that meant for my office was when we got ready for a term of court and we had these cases on this list that were up for trial, one attorney might have five or six cases on that same list. Well, there's no way they could prepare adequately for all of those cases. So one case might get tried or maybe that defendant failed to appear, but then the rest of them inevitably would get continued. So, I mean, that's justice delayed in that situation. And so I feel like with the public defender's office, we're very hopeful that we will be able to handle these cases more expeditiously and that um, because it's a little known fact that District attorneys are not just advocates. We're supposed to be ministers of justice. So really, it's up to us to try to make sure that these defendants get represented and that these cases get heard. And of course, we want our victims to have justice. So we want cases to be heard and heard in a timely manner. Well, and and that was the thing at that meeting I had with, city, uh, with some of the city council people. You know, I wasn't talking about a food desert in South Stageville. Wasn't talking about poor transportation issues in South Stageville. Wasn't talking about poor job opportunities in South Stageville. They were talking about justice, that they wanted to see justice. And I, I understand where they're coming from, but that's not really their lane. So I thought it was kind of odd they brought that up to us. To want to fix, but you know what? Here's a fix for South Stateville. Then is the public defender's office. We're going to get more people to court. We're going to get them and tried. And if they're innocent, we're going to get them out of our jails. If they're guilty, we're going to move them on to the next step in the jail. A lot of people don't realize. <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of people don't realize once we incarcerate somebody, we become responsible for them. So. If they have a sickness, uh, 
they have any kind of issues whatsoever, we pick up their medical tab as a county. So having somebody sit down there for a year or two is just that much more liability we take on. Uh, we've had people in there with stage four pancreatic cancer that have died in in jail and, and just different things uh, that's cost us a lot of money as a county that people don't realize. And so it is critical to go ahead and get them uh, taken care of and and get them prosecuted and see if they're guilty or innocent, whichever, but move them to the next step in the court system, to the next step, incarceration. Right. So that's that's real critical. So it'll be interesting. Um, and I know, I think it's down to two names now. Tell us a little bit about the process. How are we going to do this okay. public defender deal? So the process started back at the beginning of December. We had a meeting with the lawyers in Ardell and Alexander County. And um, we voted on a couple of things during that time. The first thing we voted on was whether we were going to submit two or three names. We voted, you submit two names. So then we had to vote for a name, and then they counted to see who got the most name, most votes. And then they, had, they gave us the results of that with those two names. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. If you want to hear who the two names are, stay tuned. All right, back here for the uh, last part of the show. Got District Attorney Sarah Kirkman with us, uh, talking a little bit about her office and things that are going on. And, uh, you know, we're talking about getting this public defender's office, and so it's down to two names, Sarah. So, so who are the two names? So the two names are Seth Johnson and Sam Winthrop. Okay. Now, what happens now is, and when we had that vote, only people who lived in the district could vote. Mm -hmm. um, and when we... After we had that vote, they gave us the two top vote getters. So what happens now is the administrative office of the courts gets to submit a name. It'll come back to us and our senior resident superior court judge, Crosswhite. Um, I, he'll have to make the decision. I think he may have a committee to decide. Um, and then I, February 1st is the word I hear when it when it should start. I don't think it'll be up and operating, but that's when, you know, a person should be named and they should start preparing to start doing business. Yeah. And, and I think we put about, I think we got 1.2 or 1.0, 1.3 million in the budget reoccurring a year. And, it's, and folks, just to let you know out there, uh, it was in the budget and it was kicked out of the budget. We worked, got it back in the budget. Then darn it was kicked out again <laughs> out of the budget. Then we really tried to do some work. Me, Sawyer, uh, Gray Mills, um, Mitchell Sester, we all jumped in, hustled, hustled, and got it shoved back in at the last minute. So we didn't think we were going to get it. When the budget finally did hit our desk, come out, and it was in there, it was like Christmas for us. We got it pulled off because I was just afraid we were going to get bit again because there's just not many of these offices across the state. And also in that is about there's another 500 and some thousand for the the housing, basically, and the support staff. Well, right, because it's it'll be similar to my office. Um, of course, the public defender will be named, appointed, not elected. And then I think they said that for our office, there will be 11 attorneys. So they'll have assistant public defenders, just like I have assistant district attorneys who are um, attorneys licensed in North Carolina to practice. And then they'll have some support staff, too. I can't. The number I think they said was seven. And then I guess it'll be just like my office where the county has to provide because we're a state agency, but the county provides our 
office space. Right. So and that and that's what it come down to, and that's where the five hundred some thousand for the support staff and for the rent of the bill. Do we know where we're going to put it exactly? I've not heard. Hmm. Well, I guess I guess Beth Mall's got work to do. Her and Susan over there, Susan Robertson, they'll figure it out. County manager, assistant manager. So, uh, be interesting. I like to see how this plays out. So that this third person, it, it could be one of the first two, or it's definitely going to be a different third person, or we don't know. We don't know. Huh? So that's so. that's interesting. I did not know AOC would come back in. You know, and that's administrative office of the court, not the other AOC. So you know. <laughs> Right. Uh, did not know that they would submit a third name. I thought it would be up to us to decide and be the end of it. So learning something on this, right. too. Who so knows? it'll be interesting. It's going to be new to everybody. Um, when some of the the uh, people who had put their name in for it were talking, there were some questions, and they were like, you know, I really don't know how to answer that because we've never had one before. So right. it's going to be a lot of we'll just have to see how things go, and um, we'll we'll all learn together. All right, all right. Well, you know, once again, unfortunately, your job is a political position. You it are is. elected. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you've told us a little bit of the history. You've been there 16 years as the main DA and quite a few years before that as assistant DA. So you've got the experience on your side. You know the right. game. Right. You've been there, done that, as the I'd old say, saying goes. I always say I've tried everything from a speeding ticket to a capital murder case. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you I know. I think I've seen it all. Uh, I, I, the person running against you has, I think, very little to hardly any uh, litigation behind them that I know of, uh, especially none as a uh, assist, assistant district attorney or district attorney. So so they've never done this. So, so it's basically mm, 16, throwing your other about, what, 26 years of experience? Something like that. So 26 years of experience mm-hmm. versus zero. Um, I, I always say it's good to good to know a known commodity. And I would say you're a known commodity. Uh, tell us why the voters of our county should keep you as our district attorney. Well, I mean, I think probably the main thing is I, I'm always fair. I think if you talk to attorneys, if you talk to prosecutors, if you talk to law enforcement, I try to do what's fair and what's right. You have to look at each case individually. You can't just have random policies that you go by. Each case is its own set of facts, and you have to look at them that way. Um, I think I, as well as my office, have done a great job with advising law enforcement. That's one of our responsibilities under the statute, as well as handling the criminal dockets. We, we're taxed with uh, advising law enforcement. We have a great relationship with our law enforcement partners in Iredale and in Alexander County. Um, they have all of my assistant DA's cell phone numbers and my cell phone number that they can call us anytime they want to. Um, I think I've really made those relationships work for justice in this district. Um, also, we've just we've innovated. We've we've done different things to try to make court better. We've brought H&I Felony District Court. Um, What that is is the lower-level felonies get tried in district court. You can do them much quicker than doing them in superior court. Um, We've disposed of just a large number of cases that way that it would have taken much longer to do in superior court. Um, It's taken some of the burden off of superior court of hearing those minor felonies so we can concentrate more on the violent crimes and felonies in superior court. We've done things like we have assigned time slots for attorneys now. So 
everybody knows when they're coming to court and what they're going to do. Miracle. Um, there, I mean, everybody doesn't always abide by their time slots, but my <laughs> office goes to great lengths to assign time slots to attorneys. So that helps not only us and the clerks and the judges and everybody else in the court system, it helps the attorneys too, because they don't want to sit over there waiting to do their plea for three hours. You mm. know, they know when their time slot is and when they can come. We've done that with grand jury. Um, before I was the boss, grand jury officers just had to go be there in the morning and stay there till their case was heard. We now make a schedule. So they go and they testify before the grand jury on a schedule. Um, uh, just different things we've done. I think one of the things I'm most proud of and that's most recent is Veterans Treatment Court. Yep. Now, um, we helped fund that, and that's been a big thing, um, kind of getting them out of the mainstream court system. We, you know, I had people come to me that were interested in that, and I, you know, I said, hey, this sounds great, and we went with it, and we, you know, we went to another district and watched how they did it, and now we're up and running. We've been running since October, and really – you know, we owe it to our veterans. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we, we owe it to them um, to try to help them if we can. And I want people to understand that Veterans Treatment Court, it's not that they're getting out of what they've done. It's that they accept that they need help for substance abuse. A lot of it's mental. Mental, health, it's issues, mental health issues. And they're accepting that they need help. And it, a lot of it's harder than if they would just go in and take care of the case just as Joe Citizen and be on probation there are a lot more hoops they have to jump through, and a lot of it's harder because they have to want it. They have to want the help. And yeah. so um, proud of that, Veterans Treatment Court. And those are just some of the things that we've done. We haven't just been business as usual. We're just going to keep on doing the same things that were done before us. Um, we're trying all the time to make sure that we're handling as many cases as we can, but still looking out for our victims you know, that's our main priority is getting justice for our victims. Well, and, and, and you know, the, like I said, you could have easily just stayed status quo and done, but you, you stepped up and gone above and beyond trying to find new ways to help ease the caseloads, workloads of, of the cases out there of criminals. Uh, so, you know, this is the first time you've actually had a primary opponent in a long time. Since the first time I ran. Yeah. So, you, you know, to me, that's telling me you've, you've done a pretty good job. Thank you. But, you know, there's always somebody somewhere. So that's right. I don't know exactly what their platform is. I don't know what they're up to, but I think experience matters. I think it matters a whole lot. Uh, so it, social media, how can we track Sarah Kirkman? Well, Sarah Kirkman, district attorney on Facebook. Sarah Kirkman, district mm -hmm. attorney. So go on there, follow her. Mm -hmm. um, you're like me. I'm not big on the social media game. <laughs> I just try to do my job That's and go right. about my business. You That's know? right. But unfortunately, that means a lot. People want to see what you're up to, I guess. So That's you right. do have to go out there mm -hmm. and you do have to do these things. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you coming in. I mm -hmm. appreciate what you do for the county. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I feel like we are very blessed to have you as our district thank attorney. You. And I know Alexander feels the same way. Uh, and I hope that you have a successful primary and you I continue on. That. You do not have a Democrat opponent, right? Just, right, no. So once the primary is over, it's over. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. So right. hopefully that will move forward and, and everything will work out good there. So that's Thank that's you. a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, as far as Christmas goes, anything big going to happen in your family? Or? Oh, gosh. 
I hope not. I but hope that we have a nice, quiet Christmas with peaceful. our family. Yes. It's peaceful. It'll be different. I think, you know, my father passed yes, away I this do. year. I so do. it'll be different, but it's going to be great. My mom had some bad health scares, and she's doing great. So well, thank goodness for I that. I think we're going to have a good Christmas. All right. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. All right, folks. Well, uh, glad to have Sarah in here today. I hope everybody else out there has a great Christmas. Uh, we'll probably have a repeat of this show uh, next Monday, I think, because that'll be Christmas in, or we still got one in between. Yep, that's it, isn't it? It'll be all Christmas music on the station. Ah, really? Well, folks, you, nice. you need to record this somehow or another so you can play this again <laughs> next Monday at 11 o'clock. So it'll be all Christmas music. So you won't even get to hear this gravelly voice of mine. <laughs> And struggle through it. So let's go ahead and say a prayer, though. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, oh, we thank you for the birth of your Son, our Savior, and we celebrate His birth. And Lord, we just pray that uh, uh, that many out there, if not all, come to know Him as their Savior. I pray you be with us, leading God us, help us as elected people to to follow the the laws that set forth in your book, your guideline of how to live. Dear Lord, I just pray you be with us all. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, folks, y'all have a Merry Christmas out there and a Happy New Year, and I pray you be safe. Till then, take care. You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC.